Hello and welcome to The Best is Net to Come. My name is Josh and I am joined as always by Michael Rubenstein and Richard Chuba. We are here today to talk about the offseason and the lead up to the 2020-2021 NBA season. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the teams in the league, all the moves they've made this offseason so far, and uh, our predictions, our thoughts on some of those moves. And also we're going to be uh, specifically talking about our Nets, talking about what our Nets have done and what they may do, the people they've re-signed and all that. So let's dive right into it. Let's talk about our Nets. I know that just recently the Nets have re-signed Joey Buckets. Um, well, they signed him for uh, an, a, a quite a, a big salary uh, boost for him at least. Uh, I, I forget the number. I think it's – was it 75 million? Yeah, four years, 75 mil. 75 mil, four years for Joey Harris. Now, um, as much as I think he is an important member of the team, and I'm glad they re-signed him, uh, it is a it is a little bit of a, a jagged pill to swallow to <laughs> see that kind of a number. Uh, Mike, what do you think about 75 million to Joe Harris? Well, I was reminded by a another Nets fan this past week that it's not our money, <laughs> and that was the <laughs> uh, the thing I saw about I think uh, Danilo Gallinari this week with the Hawks. Uh, Bertons with the Wizards. It's not our money, right? So I'm thrilled that Joe Harris is back. I think he's the perfect role player for what the Nets have built with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, even with Dinwiddie and Levert. A lot of ball-dominant guys. Joe Harris is a run around the perimeter, get open, hit an open shot, but also can make plays, as he's shown in the last couple of seasons. So I'm really excited that Joe Harris is back. I know the Nets said he was a priority all offseason. I'm glad they were true to their word on that. Um, but, yeah, it's a big number. But I think yeah. the Nets are willing to pay it if there's a luxury tax. I know we have a, a very rich owner once again. It's their money, think, not ours. <laughs> I think it's a luxury thing, and I also think that guys like Joe are becoming a hot commodity in the league. Yeah. You, you saw, I think, Fred Van Fleet got a very similar contract in, in, in uh, Toronto. And he does. A, he's a very similar player, and he he gives a very similar uh, product to the team. So, I guess that is the new price for a, a, a three and D guy who's kind of a gritty guy who doesn't mind getting fouled once in a while, and you know, consistent, pretty consistent player. I, I guess that I guess that's a good price for them. Rick, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a it's a deal they had to make, right? It's I, it's a little rich for what I had hoped they would sign him for. Um, I know Mike was like, yeah, it's not our money. And that is true, right? It's like, it's not coming out of our pocket, but at the same time, like how you, you know, sign players and what kind of contracts you give them, it does affect what you're able to do with your roster. It, it, it has a big effect. Like, you know, you give like a huge contract to John wall for like the, say the wizards, like that's an albatross. Like you don't want like bad deals. Right. So, if you sign good players to good deals, you know you can obviously acquire more talent. Um, it it is a it is a, a lot of money. Like he's at about what 19 million a year, and I never thought you know Joe Harris would be a 19 million a year guy. Um, but at the same time, you know he is a specialist, but he is the best or one of the best at that particular job. You know when it comes to three point shooting, 
there really aren't many better guys than Joe Harris. So I think to go along with that, he's been with the Nets for four years. Um, I think there is some sort of value to having kind of come from nothing to now the guy he is today, all with the Nets. And he's a great locker room guy. You know, uh, the GM, Sean Marks, has said he epitomizes what it means to be a net. And, um, you know, you don't really mind overpaying a little bit to have guys like that. Um, so I'm happy about Joe Harris. But I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on the rest of the Nets post uh, offseason and their moves or really lack thereof because I got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed with – how their offseason has gone so far um, because it's great that they re-signed Joe Harris, but that's not any improvement really from what they already had, right? He was already on the team. And then you see teams like the Lakers and the Bucks, who are really, it seems, doing everything they can to improve. And I've talked to Mike previously uh, before this recording. The Lakers just won the championship and they got Montrez Harrell, and they traded for Dennis Schroeder. They traded Danny Green in a pick for Dennis Schroeder, and I think that's one of the best moves of the offseason is is getting Dennis Schroeder. So the best got even better. Um, the Bucks are doing whatever they can to get a commitment to of Giannis to resign. So um, they got Drew Holiday. They paid a ton for him, but. When you got, got a guy like Giannis, you have to do whatever it takes to have him resign. And, you know, their championship window is now. You got to go for it. Um, they made the deal to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. It fell through and didn't happen. But the fact that they even tried, I think, says a lot. I don't see a lot from the Nets right now in attempts to make moves. Now, I'm thinking potentially that their lack of moves might mean that they are kind of standing pat in an attempt to kind of trade the house for James Harden, right? It's kind of difficult to make moves if you're planning a deal like that. Um, I know you guys aren't necessarily crazy about the idea of getting James Harden, and that makes sense. I, I get it, right? I don't necessarily disagree with it. But if they don't get James Harden, it's been a very underwhelming offseason. Okay, so I totally get what you mean. And I, for like a week ago, when, when these news was really breaking – I was I was really uh, uh, ready for that trade, and then it really started like people really started ruminating on it and, and kind of convincing me that there really isn't enough. As much as I love the Brooklyn Nets, there isn't enough that they're willing to give for Harden. That other teams could give a lot more. Like mm-hmm. um, there are a couple other teams that could easily give a lot more. And as you know, and, and I don't I don't really like Harden. And, and that that affects the way I feel, but also the fact that like, you know, you can't just pick where you want to play if you're not a free mm-hmm. agent. I don't care how good you are, like you, like you shouldn't be able to to just like force a trade like that. And uh, you know, screw Houston, screw Tillman Fertitta, screw all of them. I don't like them, but at the same time, if that was my team and my favorite player was forcing a trade to another super team. I'd be furious and I'd be like, no, I'd rather James Harden be miserable on the Houston Rockets than on the Brooklyn Nets right now. So I can understand now a week later um, Houston sitting on this and and look and telling him, like, you're going to ball for us in December mm-hmm. uh, and um, we'll do what we want to do when we want to do it, when we get a better deal than what the Brooklyn Nets can give us. So I, they picked up 
Landry Shamit on 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 draft night. They gave up their 19th pick for for uh, Landry Shamit um, from the Clippers, and I've been following Shamit since he was a Sixer. Uh, Mike, when you and I went to that Sixers game, he was a Sixer at the time, and I remember we both noted like, who is this guy? He's actually a pretty good shooter. He then goes to uh, the Clippers, and uh, you know he's he, he's the same. He's a pretty consistent shooter. Um, I think what they're doing with a guy like Shamit and also obviously with Harris is that they are trying to have guys who can just lock it up from the perimeter since so much of the attention is going to be on Kyrie and Durant. So much attention is going to be on them. So they want guys who can be by themselves while all the focus is on those two. They can dish it out to them and they're easy bucket. And uh, if that's what they're planning on doing with Shamit and, and Harris, then then uh, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. But you know, as far as this trade goes, uh, honestly, every day I'm a little less optimistic about getting Harden. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Mike? So uh, I'm glad you brought this up, Rick. I think the Nets are in a really interesting, unique position where they went all in last season to bring in Kyrie and Katie, but we didn't see what it looked like yet. So it's hard to make certain moves not knowing what we really have. And I like the addition of Shamit. I like the re-signing of Harris because you are, as Josh just said, you're putting shooters around them. But then the Nets have a a three-headed monster of ball handlers, of guys who can consistently get into the lane, make plays for others if they have to, with Kyrie, Dinwiddie, and Levert. So they have a lot of firepower. The defense is still my biggest worry, so they have DeAndre Jordan, but they didn't do enough, I think, to get a guy like Ibaka. I thought Ibaka would have been the perfect fit for this Nets team. Uh, I think we were texting each other a few days ago about that when the rumors first started for Ibaka. So that was disappointing. But you can't force the Rockets to trade James Harden, right? The Nets obviously could offer the house for him. But at the end of the day, you can't hold the Nets solely accountable for not doing the deal yet. Maybe it'll still happen weeks into the season. Who knows? Uh, When the Rockets see, like, okay, he really doesn't want to play here. We got to get rid of him. Uh, but I think the Nets were their hands were kind of tied. They don't have a lot of room on their current roster. I'm looking at it now. They got rid of Temple, which I was disappointed about, but obviously uh, makes sense. Tyler Johnson looks like he's still a free agent. Chio, like Chioza, Wilson Chandler, but most of the core of their team are signed already. So for me, I think with the Nets, while you're watching these other teams get better. You mentioned the Bucks. I think the Sixers got a lot better with the moves they made, and I want to talk about that more later. The Lakers, um, the Clippers getting Ibaka, the, a lot of teams made a lot of moves, but I think the Nets found themselves in a unique position where, like, we can't make too big of a move because we still haven't seen our experiment play out yet. So that's my only, I don't know, mm-hmm. hesitation with criticizing them immediately. We'll see how things work out in the next few weeks. Uh, there's still changes that could be made. But I thought overall, I wasn't too unhappy with what they've been doing. Yeah, I know we all talked about, um, in regards to the Landry Shamit trade, um, I thought it was a little bit puzzling that it seems like they could have had their choice of Landry Shamit or Luke Kennard. Mm-hmm. And I thought Luke Kennard would just be a better fit for the Nets. And it seems like Shamit would pretty far down on the depth chart because the Nets are pretty guard heavy. Um, and I thought Shamit would be a great trade if they end up trading Dinwiddie. Um, but 
they took Shamit anyway. Who's a good player, right? We all the the deal's good regardless. I just thought Kennard would have been a better fit. Um, I'm with you. I, w- I was kind of disappointed that they didn't keep Garrett Temple. I think I just saw like a tweet from like Bradley Beal who said he's like the best teammate he ever played with. So and Mike Breen said he's one of his favorite players he's ever covered, like of all time. Um, I know like we all wanted them to get Ibaka. They just simply didn't have the money for it. They only yeah. had the mini mid-level exception, and he got done with the Clippers, and I I would have done the same thing. Yeah. But um, I guess when you got guys like Kyrie and KD and you have a loaded roster, you know, I think it would have been nice to maybe get some, like, veteran ring chaser, right, to kind of, like, fill out fill out the, the roster a little bit. Oh, um, we did Jeff Green. Uh, see, like, <laughs> come on. We, we said in a this, – this is probably the first – I can't believe it happened. Right? This is probably the first episode we're going to release, and I don't know if we're going to um, go into one of our previous recordings. Cause we all talked about Jeff Green before. We're like, yeah, you know, all the like the contenders, they signed Jeff Green, and nothing ever happened. So maybe they just jinxed the whole season. But, like, do they need Jeff Green, right? They, they just Like, what do they need Jeff Green for? I know he's um he did play some small ball center for the Rockets. Um, the Nets don't at least – in recent years haven't done that although maybe that's something they'll do now I mean, obviously it's a new coaching staff um yeah i guess it makes sense that they didn't make big moves because we don't know what we have but i guess i don't know that could work both ways right we don't know what we have so just like you know we're not like messing up a good thing you know at the same time so i don't know i, I guess um we're we're me in seeing myself here so excited for the season i just want them to get the best possible players at every position they can and it was a little uneventful and that's why they probably got rid of temple though because unfortunately i don't think temple was giving so much to the team uh on the court off the court seemed like a great guy total locker room presence loved him in all of his interviews uh and just like you know just listening to him talk you can tell he's a he's a smart guy he knows what he's talking about but you know they had to get they had to slough off some of that dead weight and unfortunately he wasn't really performing so well. Just like they got rid of Zanan Musa, they <laughs> traded him to the Detroit yeah. for right I there, think like a sandwich. Best of, so best move of the off season, getting rid of <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. I mean he's so he's young. He he has a chance. I hope you prove me wrong, Musa. I hope you do. I hope you come into the next season with this Detroit Pistons team that. May may actually makes a, a splash. I I'm really excited about Killian Hayes. The more I watch of him, I really think that that was like one of the. Uh, I think he's gonna like really like change that team. I don't know about the 19th pick, Sadiq Bay. I don't know anything about him, but I like Killian Hayes. So, I also think that um you know, with that whole Jeremy Grant thing, I don't know. Maybe they're they're really like doubling down. They think they can they can pull something off, or maybe they just overpaid someone that they shouldn't have. I'm not sure really with the Jeremy Grant thing, but they're looking to do something. Those Pistons. Yeah, I didn't realize until you just mentioned them how much turnover they have this season. They they signed or traded or drafted like eleven guys. <laughs> That's a whole yeah, team. They, they cleaned house. Yeah. Wow. We'll see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess now that we've been talking a little bit about it, let's talk about the draft. Um, Mike and I watched it. Rick, you watched the draft? Like, I did watch the draft. Live? Yes. Um, any shockers, any surprises? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't say I was really shocked or surprised about anything, honestly. Um, it, I think this year specifically, I felt it was kind of hard to be shocked or surprised about anything because of the pandemic, right? The, the basketball season was limited. There wasn't a tournament. That has a big deal on guys' draft stock. Um, you know, workouts and the combine. You just Guys didn't really get a look at prospects the way they have in the past. And I know because of all that too, like me watching as a fan, like I didn't really know a, a lot about the players that were in this year's draft, even the top guys, right? Like we've, we've all heard about LaMelo, right? I, I can tell you a little bit about his game because like, you know, YouTube videos, things on Instagram, and he's just all over the place because of the ball family. But like Anthony Edwards went number one and Honestly, I don't really know too much about Anthony Edwards. The thing I know about him right now is that, like, he actually doesn't even really like basketball that much. He's actually <laughs> come out and said, he's like, yeah, I can't even watch basketball. Bro, you're the number one pick. Lie, dude. Say <laughs> it's, like, your passion. It's your, it, it is your whole heart. Like, come on. So I don't think there are, at least right away, any, like, game changers. Um, it seems like every year, aside from the, the year the Nets had the number one pick with Kenyon Martin – that uh, whether it be guys at the top of the draft or the back of the first round, there always seems to be a guy or two that emerges, right? Like Donovan Mitchell, uh, Draymond Green, uh, Jimmy Butler. Like they, there are stars, so there's going to be stars in this draft. I have star, and I and I wouldn't bet on anybody, but um, the the draft was more fun and entertaining for me. I it it, it would be hard for me to say, wow, Team A got a steal or, or you know, Team B totally picked a bum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the unfortunate, though, the the, the news of, of Clay Thompson's uh, injury coming the same day as draft day was very interesting for the sense that they were probably going to pick Wiseman anyway, but kind of almost like because he was the second best player on, in like, you know, left uh, the second best player after edwards mm-hmm. would be to pick him they weren't going to pick Lamelo, so they picked him just to pick him but now that clay is out they might completely change the dimension of that team i'm really curious to see if they try to do like some standard big guy playmaking um or maybe like move away from that small ball that they've been playing for so long because they have a guy like wiseman I'm curious to see if he even is good enough to start. I don't even really know. Like, like yeah. you said, like I, I don't really know who's who's like um, um, NBA ready um, out of all these guys. Uh, I watched Lamelo ball the most out of all of them, and Lamelo does that thing that I hate, which is like he really like takes his time with the ball um, at the top of the key and like tries to show off a lot. And I think that that's going to really bite him when he uh, starts playing in the NBA. That's something you can pull off in Australia, but you definitely can't get away with that in the NBA. Uh, also, uh, I'm, I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm just interested to see if like uh, this draft really was as weak as was reported because not only was there less of us, less of them to see because of the pandemic, but also there was just so much information about, how this draft is weak, but next year's draft is huge. Mm-hmm. Like the the 10th best player next year's draft might be like, he would have gone number one this year or something like that. They've been yeah. saying so. Yeah, that's crazy. Know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, Mike, uh, any thoughts on the draft? 
Uh, no, I don't have much to add. Uh, I was in a similar boat, just less excited because we didn't get those, you know, tournament darlings who emerge uh, and prove that they're winners, right? A lot of how many NBA players were drafted because of one performance. Yeah, I didn't know who John Morant was until the uh, until the tournament last in 2019. Yeah, even the conference tournaments before March Madness, like that's when you start yeah. to see who has that competitive edge, who rises to the occasion. And I felt kind of like we're watching a bunch of highlights of preseason games. That's what, what it felt like when, like Obi Toppin, we were joking, Josh, when they drafted him for the Knicks, they were showing wide open dunks in transition, like. Yeah. Okay, it's cool. Like that, that's not so a highlight. Yeah, you're big and you can dunk. Like what what can you do for me in a pick and roll? You know? Yeah, so, bro, I'll go to I'll go to Walmart right now, get a little tight basket and, and put up a highlight reel. I can yeah. do that too, baby. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, I think that's pretty much what he had is his highlight reel. And I was really worried for him. He's like uh, he's happy that he's on the Knicks because he's a New York guy, but bro, you're gonna get eaten alive in New York if you keep just it's all all you can do is that's yeah. not enough. Yeah, so as I was watching, I just kept thinking, like, admittedly, I just didn't know enough about the players. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens, um, if any of them make a sudden impact on any teams. I'm sure LaMelo's going to be a high-usage guy. Anthony Edwards, he's in a decent situation where he doesn't have to be the star right away because he has two all-stars already on his team with him. Uh, I think Wiseman will be an interesting fit. Maybe they'll change their style. Um because the Warriors, they don't really have a lot of shooting now besides Steph. So maybe they'll just change who they are for now. Like, besides, I think they were trying to trade for, like, Kelly Oubre the other day. They got um, him. They got him. They actually got Kelly Oubre? Yeah. They got Kelly Oh, I, I missed What's that. What's funny okay. about Kelly Oubre, too, is um, the Warriors, you know, for the past five, six, seven years have been extremely well run. And this kind of, like, reeks of, like, a desperation move to kind of, like, keep the keep the championship hopes for this season alive because the trade for Kelly Oubre because of like the luxury tax is like an $80 million move just to trade for him. And I'm a big Kelly Oubre fan. I think he's a really good player. I don't know if any of you guys have had him on your fantasy teams. I had him last year. Yeah. He's, he's really good, but it was just a bad move for those guys. He's just like, nobody really thinks that they're in the title conversation really anymore. Maybe they will be like, the four or five seed if they're lucky, but I just, I don't, I don't see this working out, you know? And like we were talking about, I'm not knowing a lot about the draft guys. James Wiseman played three games yeah. <laughs> at Memphis. Like yeah. we really don't even know what he probably got drafted based on like his high school, like reputation coming into college. Like we really don't know how good this guy is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, and, and like Mike was saying about, like the tournament needing like two perfect guys like examples of this are like Steph Curry and Kemba Walker right yeah. they're Kemba Walker in the Big East tournament um Steph Curry in the NCAA tournament like those guys were drafted as high as they were because of that right like every time every game Davidson played you like you had to see Curry and you know he he showed why he deserved to be drafted as high as he did this man this is it's a crapshoot it's it's fun yeah. but I think too because this draft was such a crapshoot, I think that makes the Nets trade for Landry Shamit even better. Like, yeah. Landry Shamit is a good player. He's a known commodity. You know what you're getting with him. We're obviously win now, so we don't have to wait for the guy to develop. Like, you pick a guy at 19, you cross your fingers and hope he's good. Landry Shamit, like, he's not a star, but, like, he's a he's a damn good player to have on your team. And that's – I know they didn't pick a guy, but that's one of the best moves of the draft, I think. 
Yeah, I'm confident that Shamit will be better than whoever they would have picked. Exactly. So, yeah. Sadiq, Sadiq yeah. Bay. I mean, good luck to him. He's on the Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Good yeah. Luck, I, I, I. The Nets notoriously. We've been talking in past podcasts about how poorly the Nets pick in that 19 to 23 range. Uh, you know, you got your Zoran Planiniches come from that oh, range. No. Your Josh Boones. Jordan Farmer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those guys were drafted by the Nets at like 21, 22, 19. So, yeah. Chris Douglas Roberts? If I were the Nets for the next, like, decade, I would run away from any pick in the 19 to 23 range just for that reason. Yeah, I think they got a steal. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we talked about the draft. We talked about a little bit what the Nets have done. What are some other free agent moves that you guys have seen that have uh, interested you? Um, for example, um, Gordon Hayward thing's pretty interesting. Gordon Hayward leaves Boston um, after going to Boston for you know a lot of money and and kind of not being what they expected him to be. He had that really gruesome injury uh, mm-hmm. in his first game as a Celtic, and like you know, it's hard to come back from injury. We all know how difficult it is, especially something like that. Um, but he really never did end up being um, the star he was on Utah for them. So now he's going to the Hornets, and it just feels like a – and I'm wondering two things. I'm wondering how crazy is Michael Jordan? And two, I'm wondering, like, um, how does this change the Celtics dynamic? Does it make them better, worse, or what? The Celtics will be fine. Gordon Hayward coming back from his injury basically was like – they would throw him in there because they had to. <laughs> like, he's making this money. We have to play him. But they're not going to miss him. They have enough firepower with their other guys. Between, I, I remember watching in the playoffs in the bubble. Like, sometimes Kemba Walker would not touch the ball for five minutes at a time because it would be Tatum or Brown or Hayward. And then there would be stretches where Tatum wouldn't touch. Like, they had too many guys. And I think losing uh, Gordon Hayward not only frees, uh, frees up the, uh, the scoring, but also defensively, I don't think he's been very good since his injury. So Celtics are fine. Um, another case of the Hornets overpaying a player. Like last year, it was Terry Rozier or two years ago, whenever mm-hmm. that was. And now it's uh, Gordon Hayward. And I'm not a hater. I don't want to come across as a Gordon Hayward hater because I do root for him. I do like his game. But that deal, uh, to me, is just more of the same from the Hornets. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Does Michael oh, Jordan man. hate money? He doesn't care about it. <laughs> That's for he sure. He can't possibly. Josh, I know you said that the Gordon Hayward to Hornets deal was interesting. It is not interesting. It is hilarious. <laughs> it is so comically stupid on the part of the Hornets. I I literally laughed out loud when I saw it. And what makes this even more funny, okay, is, yes, like the deal is ridiculous. But for this deal to happen, right, Gordon Hayward had to opt out of his $34 million one-year option with the Celtics, okay? So he declined it, and everyone's like, what is this guy thinking? He's not worth this money. He's not going to get in anywhere. Everybody around the league was questioning Gordon Hayward's sanity because they're like, he's not getting this kind of money. How do you turn down – 34 million dollars just like think about this how does anybody turn down 34 million dollars i could see you turning down it 
a $34 million option. Jo- James like, Harden is turning down $100 million right now. But Well, this is this is what I'm saying, though. Like, he's going to get it somewhere else. Like, he's worth it, yeah, right? He's, it doesn't true. matter. Gordon Hayward is turning down money that he isn't worth. So, <laughs> but he's not going to turn down the option without having the security of knowing he's getting that money somewhere else. So prior to him turning down the option, he had to have gotten this call. He Because Jordan called Gordon Hayward about the deal. So he had to have called him before he turned down the option. And he had to have said, hey, Gordon Hayward, I know you have a $34 million option that you have to decide on whether or not you want to pick up. But, and hear me out, turn it down and I will pay you $30 million a year for the next four what do you think? And Gordon Hayward's like, there's no freaking way anyone else is going to pay me this this boatload amount of money. Yeah, I'll turn it down. So he's getting $30 million a year for the next four years. And honestly, I don't even think he's worth like any more than $15 million a year. And he's coming off some serious injuries. He's declining in talent because of it. He's like – he was just the fourth best player on the Celtics. Like and he just got thirty million. It's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely asinine. I, I can't help but but to feel pity for Hornets fans. And honestly, I don't know if Michael Jordan wants to win or is just wants to be like entertaining. Honestly, sign Bugs Bunny and like Daffy Duck if you're just gonna do dumb deals <laughs> like this. Get the Toon Squad together. It does feel like he doesn't care about money. Uh, I mean, the dude's a billionaire, so he probably doesn't. But I mean, he's playing with fans hearts at this point and to sign these guys for that much money it's silly um i don't know you know like the the, the hornets made a splash they they, they got Lamelo ball they, they big signing big free agent signing i i don't know i guess because you know there's nothing else for them to do they might as well do these kinds of things stir the yeah. pot they'll end up with uh, like the 10 seed. i'm bored so let's just do yeah. something dumb <laughs> yeah so you know what pisses me off too oh, is that now Boston is getting so Boston's like my second least favorite team in the league. I think it's gonna be Lakers Boston. At the end of the day, if you like held a gun to my head, you're like, what are your least favorite teams? If, to you're root you're for? lucky that it was Heat in the finals. Then can you imagine it was Lakers? Dude, I thought I told you guys like if it was Boston Lakers in the finals, I'm I'm not watching. <laughs> I'm not watching the games. Uh, just I'll just look up the the scores. I'm not watching those games. But anyway. Boston gets Tristan Thompson now, and I know Tristan Thompson That's a good deal. is an older dude, but he's going to probably ball out for them. And we're going to be like, oh, wow, he's the Celtics are great them. again. I wonder why. They got a great rebounder and a, and a really hard player, really hard worker in Tristan Thompson, who is a solid guy that people forget about because he's been on a crap team for the past two years. But, yeah, fuck. Why do the Celtics always pull these sh- things off? I've- I forgot about that move. I'm glad you reminded me. That was a sneaky good move for the type of team they have with all those guys taking so many shots. Tristan Thompson's just going to work down down in the paint. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't need plays run for him because um, they really haven't had anybody good as a big man. Like, Tice was their starting center last year. He's okay. Baines, Cantor, like, none of those guys are big offensive guys, and Thompson's not either. But for what they need, I, I like that move a lot for the Celtics. Yeah, that was a good move. Um, okay, let's see. Other big moves in the league. So we have like a we have a Sixers team that's kind of expanding their, their I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Sixers. Yeah, go for it, so, Mike. Tell me tell us about that. I think the Sixers 
quietly, not in names, but in fit, probably had my favorite offseason. I don't want to say it's the best offseason, but my favorite. Because the big issue last season with the Sixers was they didn't have enough shooting. Ben Simmons can't shoot threes. Al Horford was a big man who could shoot threes, but not the best. Um, Josh Richardson was like an athletic guy who could sometimes hit a three. But what they did, they went out and got Danny Green, who we have our fun Whoa. joking about Danny Green because he sucks. He, he sucks. Yeah. So, Dude, but, they got Danny Green and they got Dwight Howard. He's fucking yeah. butt. No, but here's the thing with, <laughs> with Danny Green, though. Danny Green, again, great teammate. Um, perfect fit for what they're going to do. He doesn't need plays run for him. He's just going to spot up in the corner when Ben Simmons and Embiid are doing their thing. And I'm going to just trust that he's going to remember how to shoot a basketball. I mean, Bro, I'd rather have you on my team than Danny Green. I, I, I'm still a Danny Green believer. He has three oh. championships on three teams. Give him, give him shots. I, I think he'll be okay. But If he doesn't take those shots anyway, they got, they got Seth Curry. Right. That was I what I was going to I think Seth Curry, no one's talking about him at all. He played really well in the bubble for Luka Doncic. He hit so many shots. There were times where he would score 10 points in a row for the Mavericks, like out of nowhere. Who's Why is Seth Curry doing this? So surrounding Ben Simmons and Embiid with two guys that could potentially be knockdown shooters, I think at the same time losing Horford and Richardson, who I just don't think were very good fits for, for how the Sixers played, I think – the fit just really works. And Dwight Howard, we saw a little bit of a resurgence uh, athletically from him. Obviously, he's not a shooter. But when Embiid comes out of the game, you need a big body. Dwight Howard might be serviceable based on what we saw in the bubble. Who knows? But I think the Sixers did a really nice job of addressing their team needs without blowing it all up. Because that was always the question was, are they going to get rid of Embiid or Simmons or both, right? And I think the moves they made kind of tell us, no, nope, they're keeping it. They're keeping them all. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to try to figure out a better way to play. I, I agree with you. I like their their off season, and uh, clearly they're they're keeping it together and they're still going for it. But I'm curious about what you guys think about the idea of a Ben Simmons for James Harden swap, because if the Sixers are going for it now, I, James Harden is a better player. I, he's probably a better fit with Embiid too. Daryl Morey was the GM of the Rockets, and he's now he's there with the 76ers, and he loves James Harden. That's his favorite player. So the Rockets could then kind of blow it up, and they get younger with Ben Simmons. What do you think about a swap like that? If I had to give up one of them between Embiid and Simmons, I'm probably going to give up Embiid. And I'm doing that because I don't see Embiid's drive when he plays. Yeah, okay, there are some games where he just looks like the best player in the fucking league. And no one can stop him. 35, 40 points with crazy numbers. But then there's other games where he just doesn't care. He has that, like, Shaq mentality. You remember when Shaq would just not care some games? And just be like, I'm not here today? Mm-hmm. I can't, as a like, as a fan of any team, to have a guy on my team who's supposed to be so good to just show up some days like, I don't really care about today, drives me nuts. I would literally want to kill myself having to watch them every day with Embiid. And that's really what he was pushing to the limit this year. I mean, he had Barkley and Shaq grilling him on, on inside the NBA on national television. Just like, go, bro, you are not playing hard enough. You are one of the best fucking players in this league, and you're totally sucking out there. And 
Like, <laughs> truthfully, like, I know that's Simmons can't you. shoot. I know Simmons can't shoot. I know, I know, and that sucks. That's terrible. But he plays hard, and he plays really good defense. And and putting a guy like Harden on a team with Embiid, I just know there'd be, like, attitude clashes. I know it, it in the end of the day, it probably would be a, a better team, but it, it would be so painful to watch um, if it blew up. It's like high risk, high reward, switching Simmons for, for Harden in my eyes. So I don't know. I, I'm really, like, uh, conflicted on that thought. Mike, do you, do you see any value in what I just said at all? Uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm struggling with seeing the uh, – I don't even know how to word this, but I don't think I would do the deal if I was the Sixers unless you're getting – because you'd probably have to give up more. You'd have to give up Simmons and something for Harden. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. But I don't – I think I'm scarred from watching Harden too many times just dribble the ball until there's five seconds on the shot clock. And that just drives me crazy. And with Embiid on the floor, uh, maybe that'll be good to get Embiid some rest. Like, he can literally take plays off because James Harden is just going to dribble for 20 seconds. But I think when healthy, Ben Simmons just gives that team and that playing style in Philly, the way that they've liked to play the last couple of years, that up-tempo, showtime-esque type of basketball that maybe they're not best suited for right now because of the additions we just talked about. Um with Danny Green and Seth Curry being shooters and not really finishers at the rim. But I don't know. I think a healthy Simmons and Embiid, and that's a big if because they haven't proved they could, they could really do it consistently. I think they deserve another shot. I think this was a really unfortunate end to their season this season. They got swept, and I, I felt really bad for Embiid because like, I did feel like he was trying really, really hard in like games three and four of that series because he didn't want to get swept, and there was just nothing to help him. Um but yeah, that's a that's a good hypothetical, Rick. I, I don't know mm. if it was two K and I could send the games, give me James Harden. Mm-hmm. But if I have to actually watch game in and game out, I'm like this is why I was hesitant even for the Nets. Like I am just kind of sick of James Harden and the way he plays in big games. Not mm-hmm. that he doesn't always show up because sometimes he he'll hit five to six threes and give you forty and a triple double. Like that's all great, but. I'm telling I you, I feel very similarly about Harden as I do to Embiid. I think they're both phenomenal, like, otherworldly players uh-huh. that just don't do what you want them to do consistently. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to watch. <laughs> they're hard yeah, to watch. The, the, the only thing I'm thinking is just, like, right now it just doesn't seem like Embiid and Simmons work together. Mm-hmm. And just hypothetically, if you were to trade, like, Embiid for Harden, that just doesn't seem like a great fit with no. Simmons. And, like, this, that just wouldn't work. And I just kind of struggle, like, the idea of having a point guard who just is deathly afraid of shooting a three. Like, that's – in a shooter's league, like, to not be able to do that, that's <laughs> that's kind of anno- as annoying as, like, dribbling till there's, like, three seconds left on the clock, right? And say what you want about Harden. Like, he's, he's there every night. He plays every night. So – you know, that's I think there's something to be said for that, especially when you have a guy like Embiid who has had trouble staying healthy. If you can have at least one guy to count on, um, I don't know. I just thing. thought that was an interesting fit. I mean, it it might not happen. It probably won't. But um, I just thought that was an interesting take. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if the Rockets trade Ru- uh, Russell Westbrook. I'm hoping they do just because I think it would be fun to see where he goes. I know if I were, were the, the Rockets GM – 
I would trade him for anything that I could get. Um, I would trade him for the last pick in next year's draft if I could, just to get the the contract off the books. He is not worth anywhere near the amount he's getting paid. He's would be addition by subtraction. So for their own, I'm hoping he goes to the Knicks. The Knicks would be a circus, but they'd be fun and entertaining. So I just think it makes yeah. sense because the Knicks aren't going to be good anytime soon. So by the time his contract is over, he, it's it's not really hurting the Knicks. Um, so I hope that happens. But that's kind of something I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the whole Rockets situation plays out. Fun tidbit about the Rockets, Rick. Uh, did you know that they drafted Kenyon Martin? I Kenyon. did not. Kenyon Martin oh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Jr. Right? Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Okay. Yeah, you got me there. Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah, I'll be rooting they, for him. I'll be rooting for him. They drafted Kenyon Martin's son, Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, what number? Uh, 52nd. So probably not going to be uh, game-changing, but, you know, cool that he's there. Cool that's that he's there. Tib tidbit. Um, okay, so we were talking about the West. You're talking about how the Lakers have just completely gotten better despite – just winning a championship with Montrezl Harrell and and well, Wes Matthews is on the team now too. Yeah. Uh, Mark and they Gasol. got Schroeder. And who who is that, Mike? They just got Marcus All, didn't they? They got yeah. Marcus All too. I mean, everyone's ring chasing now. I, I'm going to sign a, a deal with the Lakers tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <so>. I would. <laughs> I would. I'll pay. I'll I'll play for less than the league minimum. Not even allowed, and I'll do it. <laughs> so. I mean, uh, Davis is like holding out for like a huge deal. I'm, I'm obviously they're gonna give it to him, but does that, does that hurt or help them in the next coming years? Uh, they'll be fine. That they'll helps fine. them. They, they want him long term. He's just making it more dramatic than he needs to, I think. Yeah, he, he's. I, I don't think there's any like doubt about the amount of money he's gonna get. I think really what's coming down to his contract discussions is how he wants to structure it in terms of like uh, player options and what year he wants it. Cause I think he wants his years yeah. to line up with LeBron's and probably other people around the league, right? Nobody wants to be caught on any team, you know, without help. So he's going to sign, let's just say four or five years. Maybe he has an opt out after two or three or something. So that's really what it's coming down to. It's, it's basically a done deal. It's just how is the deal going to look? Yeah. Um, and then these Clippers, uh, seems like they're sort of falling apart too. Uh, they didn't see, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw, um, Patrick Beverly's reaction to, to Montrez Harrell leaving the team, but he, he seemed pretty shocked by it. Yeah, uh, I saw on it on Twitter. Twitter. I was shocked uh, by it. I mean, me too. But then again, you know, if you can pick the team that is definitely going to be at least a top four team next year, then be that team. Dude, I could not only could I not believe that they got him, I couldn't believe that they got him for so little. I think they got him for two years, nineteen million. That's that's insane. Montrezl Harrell is a better player than Gordon Hayward, <laughs> so and he's making less in two years than Gordon Hayward is making in one. That's that's amazing. So I think it's kind of funny too. Um, Montrezl Harrell won six six man of the year last year. Um, the runner-up for sixth man of the year was Dennis Schroeder. So mm-hmm. the wow. uh, the Lakers are really uh, making some great moves. And Dude, Dennis, um, Dennis Schroeder, you were following him a lot when he was on the Hawks. I remember you talking about him a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, my brother too. My brother loved Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is a really good player, and yeah. um, 
any team would be lucky to have him, but now to 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 go from Rondo to Dennis Schroeder is what a move for the Lakers. I I think right after I saw the Montrose Harrell signing, I was like, Mike, like how <laughs> who's gonna compete with these guys? Like I was like I almost thought like the Nets it might blow up, but the Nets have to get Harden to, <laughs> to even like hang with these guys. And uh, you know obviously anything can happen, but man that roster. Um, right now it's the Lakers head and shoulders above everyone else. You know what's funny though about what you just said, Rick, with Rondo, with Schroeder in name, obviously sounds much better than Rondo at this point. John texted me the other day also about Rondo. Rondo was a huge part of them winning the championship. Rondo was oh yeah as good as any player in that series for in terms of having impacts on games, where he would come in and he would just go on tears. So. Yeah, Schroeder is younger. He's the the uh, he makes more sense on paper for what they need. But don't discount Rondo's importance. I don't know how big of an upgrade it is when it comes to playoff time. Because if it's the playoffs, if it's the finals, you got Rajon Rondo in your team. You've got a stud. So I just wanted to playoff Rondo. Just, yeah, playoff Rondo yeah. is a thing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, every time he'd hit a shot, because um, I think I even read something this morning how like. Maybe it was you saying it, Rick. I don't remember, but how Rondo can't shoot. I don't think it was you saying that. Um, but it was like Rondo was hitting threes like all over the place. In the finals he was, yeah. Finals. He was like yeah. making threes. I, I don't know where he got that confidence because a lot of times he's kind of got that Ben Simmons kind of confidence. He's like, man, I am. I'm trashing behind the arc. What am I shooting for? And he was he was knocking them down. Yeah. He, I guess because they didn't respect him. He had a lot of open looks, and he's like yeah. hitting them, and people are like, oh, my God, yo, maybe we should guard this guy. Yeah. But even defensively, I remember there was a lot of, even in the series before the finals, I think against uh, the Nuggets, right? The Lakers had to, they beat the Nuggets, right? In the mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rondo was a pest on defense. And you don't get that with guys like Schroeder, mm-hmm. um, who alter the game on both sides of the floor. So I just want to give a shout out to Rajon Rondo. Yeah. He deserves it. He deserves it. I just, yeah. I think it's a big upgrade too, because I think last year the the number three scoring option uh, on their team was like Kyle Kuzma, yeah. And now they got guys like Harrell and Schroeder, and no shortage of offense. They're 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 definitely downgraded defensively, but I think they upgraded on offense a lot more than they downgraded on defense. So uh, it's going to be tough tough competition for the rest of the West to to make it to the finals. Yeah. Yeah. So um, news out of today, just checking like our, like the NBA like uh, free agent tracker and everything. I, you know, we got Demarcus Cousins might be going to the Rockets. He's in talks to go to the Rockets. Do you think Demarcus Cousins has anything left in him? I don't think I don't think he does. If if he does, I don't it's know. not it's not going to be anything like he was. Um, maybe he'll be a shooter in his post injury days. I don't know. I'm not I'm not very. Uh, into that move. Even if he does, I don't. I don't think him being on the Rockets matters, yeah. right? I, I just. I don't know. Even if he has anything left, it's. I don't think any of us think the Rockets are going anywhere, especially with uh, their two best players already are like requesting trades. Like that. That whole freaking team is in turmoil right now. So, and then we had the the personality like Boogie, and yeah. I mean Houston might just burn to the ground. Oh, um, what are our thoughts on? Uh, I don't think we talked about it too much, but Chris Paul and the Suns. Like, um, do move. we think this is gonna finally be what Devin Booker needs? So, 
not to win a championship, obviously. At least, like, to make, like, a, the playoffs, be yeah. like a six seed or a fifth I think, seed. I, I don't I, know. I love it because they didn't really give up much. Like, Ricky Rubio, good point guard, but Chris Paul, insane upgrade from that. Um, and they gave up, like, some other players and, what, maybe some picks. So I like it a lot. I think even if they don't go on a fairy tale kind of run, just Devin Booker having a year around Chris Paul, he's going to improve. I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of a Chris Paul hater when he was on the Clippers. I, I really thought oh, I he was too. overrated. 100%. I thought I, I thought he was a complainer and he started shit and he wasn't. He was an overrated player. Um, I mean the stats probably prove me wrong, but I have gained respect for him since he's left the Clippers. The way he has played both for the Rockets, nearly getting them to a championship, and for like OKC last season was just awesome. Watching him like. Um, like not only do well on the team, but make everyone around him better. I, I think that's that's Chris Paul's superpower, um, which not many players in the league have. Is that like by being good, they make everyone else around them good. Um, he made Shea Gilgis Alexander do phenomenal. He made um, you know he made everyone on that team better last year. So I'm excited for Booker for that reason. He just makes people on the team better. It's a good move. Um, I think it'll be fun to watch, right? Like, they're not a championship team right now, unless, like, DeAndre Ayton takes this incredible uh, leap this upcoming season, um, which is possible, right? He was the number one pick uh, his year. Um, But I think it's it's good, though, too, um, if you're the Suns. Like, having a guy like Chris Paul, I think, helps show – your organization, like you're, you're competent, you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes to be competitive and improve your team. So if I know there's always been rumors about um, Devin Booker potentially asking for a trade and wanting out, I've never heard him actually say or request anything like that. But there's always been like, yeah, man, uh, the Suns stink. Devin Booker's gonna want out eventually. And now maybe a move like that gets him to re-sign a Supermax and, and stay there long-term. And he's a great player, right? We saw how awesome he was in the bubble, and it seems like he really, uh, this past offseason, took that next step uh, up in his game. But, um, yeah, it's fun to watch. I think there are a lot of, of really, like, fun moves that happen this offseason that maybe don't necessarily move the needle in terms of, like, the championship conversation, Right, because like I mean, off the top of my head, championship conversations. Maybe there's like six teams that are in it, five, you know, something like that. Um, so the Suns aren't one of them, but it'll be fun to see like how competitive they are. The Suns have proven one thing: is that they're not only competitive, but they can shock you. They could actually steal a game or two. They literally went undefeated in that bubble, even though it ended in them still leaving. Um, just to be that gritty and, and to win games against good teams, you never know. If they are a seventh or eighth seed and I was the Lakers or the Nuggets or whatever, I'd be worried to play the Suns mm-hmm. if they're going to play as good as they did last year. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't envision it going this way, but, I mean, it's not unlike um, the Nets like a couple years ago, right? Like they had good pieces, good players, and overachieve. And um, if they can continue that momentum – um, then I know Phoenix isn't the biggest market in the country, right? People aren't like clamoring to get there, but if you can show that you're a well-run organization and you're 
and you're willing to fight and and be competitive every year, I go there in free agency, right? Devin Booker's a guy I would love to play with if I were a, a player, right? Maybe he's not won't have to be ball dominant, could play off the ball, shoots lights out, right? So they have pieces there. So um, yeah, they have kind of some similarities to the Nets. Um, KD and Kyrie aren't coming going to Phoenix, but um, yeah, like if you're a free agent, right? Not such a bad idea to go there. We're going to pick now one team that we think will make uh, the playoffs next year that didn't make last year, and then another team that will miss that made last year. And, um, you know, actually, I was going to say the Rockets, but you never know how long Harden and, uh, and um, will end up staying. Who knows if he even stays all year just because they can never find a better deal for him. So I think, uh, truthfully, now that Chris Paul is gone, it is going to be uh, – uh, a long road ahead for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they also got rid of Steve Adams. I don't know if they will be able to go back to being a, a six or such a high seed in, in the playoffs. I mean, I, I think they'll still play well, but I think that they're going to be like around that same level that the Grizzlies and the Pelicans were last year in terms of um, you know competing uh, in the playoffs. They, you know, this year they're going to be um, there's going to be a play-in tournament for the playoffs. There's going to be the seventh through tenth seeds are going to be playing for a spot. And so maybe they'll be in there, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if OKC misses out. Now, they have a bright future because they have a million jillion picks uh, going into the next seven years, so they're fine. I'm not worried about them um, in the future, but maybe next year um, they take a little bit of a dip. Uh, Now, in terms of a team that could now make the playoffs next year, um, why not the Pelicans? You know, as long as they keep um, uh, what's his name healthy, Zion Williamson healthy, he doesn't get hurt. He plays all season, and they play hard. Um, the only problem is now that they got rid of Drew Holiday, um, they really need to lean on on Brandon Ingram to uh, carry the team in terms of like just being like a pure scorer. And I think he can do it. I think that as much as Brandon Ingram is like kind of a, um, a wishy-washy uh, dude. Um, he's a legitimate scorer and he, he puts up great numbers and, and can win games. So yeah, I mean, watch out. I think that the Pelicans will be also in that tournament, that seven to 10 player, uh, play in tournament, but maybe on the, on the, uh, brighter side of it. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because I'm looking at the standings right now from last year and I'm confident in saying this upcoming season, there's not really a bad team in the West. Uh, the Warriors are not going to be 15 and 50 again. They're not going to get back to championship status without Clay Thompson, obviously, but I don't see them going 15 and 50 again. The Timberwolves have a full season now. Uh, D'Lo and Towns together with adding the number one pick. They'll probably be towards the bottom, but I don't see them being 19 and 45. So after that, Pelicans... Kings, like the Kings are probably the one team I think's gonna fall a little bit because thinking of the moves that they've made, I don't nothing like stands out. I know they lost Bogdanovich potentially, unless they match that offer sheet. Um, but I don't remember hearing about the Kings really going after anyone. So the Kings might drop a little. Spurs are still the Spurs. Who knows, you know what you're gonna get from them? They might still be really good. But then we get to those teams. The Suns, I think, are gonna be a really good team. The Grizzlies, you know, came a half game or a playing game away from making the playoffs last year. The Blazers, I like what they did this offseason a lot. I think 
a healthy season for them, they're going to be higher than uh, they ended up last year. So out of all these teams, I agree with you, Josh. Thunder, Rockets are two vulnerable teams. But I don't think anyone can take their standing for granted this season in the West. I think having a short offseason where teams are going to want to rest a little bit in the beginning, especially if they made deep playoff runs, uh, every game's going to count in this Western Conference. So I'd be nervous if I was the Jazz and the Mavericks, you know, even the Clippers. They can't really mess around. Um, so if I had to pick one team to really catapult themselves, I do like the Suns with the addition of Chris Paul. He's just a winner. He's just proven it everywhere he goes that he makes the playoffs. So I'm going to say I'm going to agree with you. Thunder drop out, throw the Suns in there. And then if I had to pick another because of the drama going on in Houston, Rockets drop out. For the Warriors, I think the Warriors are going to find a way with Ubre and Wiggins and Draymond with Curry. I think they'll find a way to sneak in there. So those are my two I'm looking out for. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could, like, add something more to what you guys said, at least for the Western Conference, but I kind of can't because I think you both guys <laughs> – well, yeah, both you guys were, like, spot on, right? Like, last year, OKC had, like, what was it, a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And they did because they had Chris Paul. And then what happened? They traded Chris Paul away. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it like fantastic season, great job. It was awesome. And they're, and they're still not a bad team, right? But you would have to think that they would be the pick to, to fall out. And then what happens? At 34 and 39 last year, Phoenix just got the guy who took a team with 0.2% chance in the playoffs. <laughs> so Phoenix adds... Chris Paul, after going undefeated in the bubble, and you would have to think, yeah, they would probably be the best bet to move on. Um, yeah, Houston's such a question mark. They could be next, right, for for possibly missing out. And uh, I, I like Golden State as, like, being another team they could possibly get in, right? Like, if Curry's healthy, you know, anything can happen. So that's cool. Um, I think it's pretty easy for the Eastern Conference, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think teams one through seven are going to stay like it's it's pretty like top heavy, I think, with the Eastern Conference. Right. Yeah. Um, so one one through seven, I think you're going to be back, not necessarily in that order, but they're going to be there. And uh, I would be surprised if Orlando doesn't fall out. And my pick easily to replace them would be Atlanta. Atlanta made a lot of moves like Danilo Gallinari is a really good player. He averaged like 19 points on like 40 percent from three last year. Like he's always good ever, wherever he goes. And he was in OKC last year. Um, they just added Rondo, and if they could get playoff Rondo, hey, that's fun to watch too. We just talked about him. And I think they just signed Bogdan Bogdanovich to an offer sheet. Um, I don't know if the Kings are going to match or not, but if they get him, then they've completely turned their team around. Um, we all know how good Trey Young is. I'm a huge John Collins fan. And then adding like Gallinari and Rondo and Bogdanovich to that, like – that's that's a really good fun team to watch, and uh, Orlando's butt, so they're gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Orlando hasn't done anything uh, significant, uh, so yeah, I I agree 100%. Rick, I can totally see Atlanta taking that eighth seed. Um, what's very interesting this year is this this play-in tournament, and I think what's fun is that when we'll be doing our weekly pod to talk about the season. And we get a better idea of like what teams could maybe sneak into that, but still steal a spot in the playoffs because maybe they just have a better matchup. Like a tenth seed could have a better matchup with a seventh seed very easily. So I'm very curious to see how this works. I mean, we got a little taste of it in the bubble, 
but we we could see a really exciting i guess may or, or late april or may i don't know what days um because of this play in tournament yep um my pick for the east uh i do agree the hawks are probably going to make a big jump i just think they're going to fall a little short i'm going to go with the wizards for this uh the wizards last season i thought we're going to win like 15 games like all they had was Bradley Beal. Why did he even resign there with an injured John Wall? They had nobody. But John Wall's coming back now to add on to what Bradley Beal was able to do. They resigned Bertons. They've got um, I can never remember that rookie's name. Uh, Rui Achimura. Yeah, that guy, who I know a few of our friends are really big on. So I mean, the Wizards came pretty close to squeaking into the bubble. Um, I think it's funny. They ended up with a worse win percentage than the Hornets who were not in the bubble. Uh, I'm looking at the standings now. It's pretty funny. But I think the Wizards have a shot. I think the Magic will be the ones that fall out because the Nets better not be the seven seed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the Pacers might fall a little bit in the standings, but still make the Pacers the will fall. I, I think the Raptors are going to fall a lot, actually. Yeah, I think they will, too. They lost Ibaka and Gasol. Um, I think they'll still be a good team. I think Bucks will still be one because they just have the continuity. They seem to play hard every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they'll be one. I think the Heat could be, you know, in that top two or three with the Celtics. This, uh, I like the Sixers. I think the Nets could still be looking at a four or five seed with, you know, as much as we've been hyping them up and we look forward to our, our favorite team season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, it is a top-heavy conference. When you think of West and East, the West is obviously better, but there are some good teams in the East at the top. And for the Nets to crack into that top four after really not playing full strength for yeah. two seasons now, um, yeah, it'll it'll be a tough jump, I think. The way the West is set up, it's like the top four teams in the West are pretty solid, and then everyone below four, it's kind of a crapshoot. Whereas I think in the East, you got your your top two teams, maybe top three, maybe. Uh, Milwaukee, Boston. Uh, actually, yeah, honestly, Milwaukee and Boston are the only teams that I I know for sure that they'll be in the top four next year. Um, I'm not sure the the Sixers, although they have improved on paper, um, have shown that they they kind of uh, take it all, a couple days off during the season. They could easily go to like a six, um, just because. Um, same thing with the Heat. The Heat played incredibly in in the playoffs, but they didn't like. There was a stretch in like January and February where everyone was counting them out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think playoff seeding in the East is harder to predict because a lot of these teams don't play the same uh, during the regular season that they do in the playoffs. And, um, yeah, the only consistency that I've seen is Milwaukee and Toronto and, and Boston. So I guess maybe Toronto, but they lost those players. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee and Boston, the only seeds that I can see in the top four for sure. So, so what do you think now that we've kind of talked about off-season moves, the draft, trades, free agency, who we think is going to miss out and who's going to make that jump in the playoffs? But what everyone is waiting for is what do we think the Nets are going to do? I want to know what is your guys' prediction for their record. Remember, it's going to be a 72-game season this year. Um, what seed and where you'll think they'll finish in the playoffs this year championship out in the second round conference finals what are you thinking 
it's so hard to to think objectively about something that I want so badly <laughs> to just end in a fucking ring, baby. But uh, all right, I'll start, Mike, because I'm much more emotional. I, I think I'm gonna say that truly. Um, I see the Nets cruising. I see them if they're healthy. I see them cruising through the season. Fine. Yeah, I like the sound of this already. <laughs> I see. I see. Even without Harden, I see like a Kyrie uh, Durant tandem just like easily picking up like 45 to 50 wins. I know it's a shorter season, so 45 wins is more like 52, 53. I can see. Uh, I can see an easy like a 50 win season would be totally uh, in the bag for them. Now, uh, that's pending injury. Um, I think they make it to the playoffs. Uh, possibly. Um, I'd say at their highest, maybe a, a three seed. At their lowest, uh, a five or a six. I don't see them going any lower than six seed. I, I would be shocked if they were a one or a two. That would mean that they just absolutely balled, and I don't see that happening. I don't think they're as consistent as Milwaukee or Boston. So three seed at their highest, six at their lowest. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. it's hard to really plan it all out in my mind, but if they go any less than the conference finals, it would be a shocker to me. So they got to at least make the Eastern finals, I think. I think that's a, a pretty solid prediction. Um, I'm going to put them around 42 wins, uh, 42 and 30 in a 72-game season. I think they're going to come out strong because they are, they'll be rested. So I think they'll probably catch some teams in the beginning who might not be as well-rested. And I think they're going to want to establish, like, we're legit. Um, they're going to play really hard. Uh, and I think Kyrie, KD, that, that combo, I think, could work out really nicely very quickly, especially if they don't make the trade for Harden and they do have the guys returning who have been there. If they have Dinwiddie, Levert to go with Joe Harris. I think they'll start out pretty strong. Um, but I don't know. I, there's always that one stretch in the season for the Nets where the, they're going to lose a few games. People are going to call for Steve Nash's job, and then they're going to be like, no, we're all right. Like, we'll figure it out. Or Kyrie's going to get hurt, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I think like, it's just hard objectively because I, I want to say they're going to win the whole thing, right? That would be the the easy thing to say as a Nets fan. And say uh, it, Mike. No, I just – I don't <laughs> – I don't, Say it. I, I don't you know you want to. If I had to make a bet, if I was a, a betting man here, I would not put money on them to win the championship this season. Um, I think they're going to run into a tough team in the East in the second round. I think they'll win in the first round. They'll probably end up as like the four or five seed, like I just said uh, a few minutes ago. And I think they'll catch maybe like a Toronto or possibly an Indiana if Indiana overperforms to get into that seeding also. Maybe the Nets are three and Indy six. I don't know. But I see the Nets getting out of the first round. Um, realistically, I think that's that's should happen. Uh, second round could go, you know, game seven, depending on who they play. I think the Bucks become their their downfall. I think the Nets match up well against the Celtics. I think they match up well against the Raptors. I think they match up well against the Heat also. But I'm worried about the Bucks. I'm worried about Giannis, even though he hasn't shown it in a playoff series on the highest level. Um, I'm just worried about Giannis and the, the crew they have around him. So I think Eastern Conference Finals – I think they could win it. I think they can get to the finals. Unfortunately, I don't think they beat the Lakers if they make the finals. If it's the Lakers out of the West, I see LeBron and Anthony Davis taking this as like 
the biggest challenge to both of their careers ever. Like they have to win this series against Kyrie and Katie or their whole career is a sham. So I, <laughs> I, I see the Lakers like really getting up for that series. Now, if the Lakers don't make it out of the West, I think the Nets could be anyone else in the West. Um, I think they match up well against most teams, but I'm worried about Lakers. So my official prediction, I'm going to go Lakers beat the Nets in the championship in six games. You had them in the championship though. I do. So that's cool. I, I do. Okay. I think they get tested in the East. I think they get pushed really hard. Mike, but. you have a you have a pretty similar prediction to me, almost exactly what I think. Um, I'm predicting them a little more optimistic in the regular season, 48 and 24. I think they're going to be a three seed. Um, uh, they might have to work out the kinks in terms of, like the rotation and stuff like that, and maybe KD be a little a little rusty, but talent's going to win out. And uh, I think 48 and 24 as a three seed is something that they could definitely do. Um, that's what the Celtics were last year with, with Gordon Hayward, and they just lost Gordon Hayward. Not that he was that good anyway, but I think they could have a similar season. Um, I think they're going to wax whoever they play in the first round. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not concerned about the first round. And depending on who the second round is, I don't think they'll have much trouble with the second round either. I honestly think that the Celtics and, and the uh, Bucks are really the only teams that would give them trouble um, and I take them over the Bucks too, right? Bucks lost in the second round last year. They're going to be better this year. I know that, but uh, I'm kind of I I'm willing to bet against Giannis until he proves me wrong because he's come up small too many times. Um, and as good as he is, right, two-time MVP already, he can't shoot. So I'm taking my guys over him. Um, Katie's got two rings. Kyrie's got a ring. They can shoot lights out. Um, and Giannis is really just a good guy right now with two MVP trophies. So <laughs> Giannis can shoot, but he he can't play make when they force him to do it at the top of the key. Yeah, when and they make, force him to do it. My thing though, with with Giannis is the teams that have stopped him are those big teams with multiple guys that could put bodies in front of him, and I don't know if the Nets have that. Yeah, I, I think KD coming back to be the man on his own team. I think he's manning up, dude. He's like seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not shutting him down. Mm-hmm. KD could stick with him just in length alone. So I, I, I'm I'm not too worried about it, right? Karis LeVert, he's athletic, man. I, I believe in Karis LeVert at least containing him for a little while, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. hell, play 10 feet off him and dare him to shoot threes. I'll take that. So I, honestly – could, could the Bucks win? Of course, right? I think yeah. they'll be the, the number one seed in the East, and it really wouldn't surprise me. But maybe I'm overconfident. I like my guys. Mm-hmm. So I think the Nets are making the finals. I also think that they're going up against the Lakers, just like Mike said. And unfortunately, I have to be realistic. I think they're also losing the Lakers in six. Damn. So I, I'm a little disappointed. But at the same time, too, this is year one with Katie and Kyrie. They go to the yeah. finals and lose to the Lakers in six. I mean, it's not what we wanted, right? And it would be a little disappointing, but at the same time, I mean that that's kind of a successful season, right? Like it would be their best season of all time. Do you think it, do you think it's championship or bust? If they don't no. make it to the championship, it's not a good season because I'm totally I fine with that. I think they have to Eastern make Conference it. Finals. I think they have to make it. I don't think they have to win, but I think they have to make it. I think if they fall short of the finals, that's that's disappointing. Uh, and Hey, they, they really might not even be better than the Bucks right now. The Bucks are probably the better team at the moment, at least. But I mean, you got to go for it now. And if they they fall short, it, that's disappointing. I 
I would expect them to lose to the Lakers, right? Braun is still king until he decides to hang it up. So that's that's not a problem. But I gotta see a finals appearance. I'll be disappointed. They lose to the Bucks even in seven games. I'm I'm disappointed because they got the guys, man. There's no excuse for talent, man. KD, Kyrie, they just signed Joey Buckets, Lavert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. You name it. They they got the guys, right? They're not. They, maybe they can improve places, but it's a championship caliber team. Now they just got to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the best is net to come. Come back on Tuesday. We'll be talking more about the Nets for the rest of December. Our episodes will be coming out Tuesdays and Fridays. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We'll be posting lots of information about what we're talking about in the episodes there. So you're going to want to check in there. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one.